The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Other horn is going. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a someplace they play so far. Everything with an attitude. Got a family. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Young and able to play the game and make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom, last week we joked that Saban may have broken the mold of the podcast, and this week we go out and play nearly a a perfect first half of football. Do we have much to talk about? Man, you know, uh, the media even asked Saban uh, before the game, you know, to get a list of what we need to work on. Because, uh, you know, he he gave the media their marching orders at last week's press conference. And, um, you know, I don't know if they paid attention quite the way he wanted to. But, you know, he gave us a list. And uh, I think some of the things, uh, you know, we uh, we improved on. But I think he, uh, for Saban's credit, uh, he still has some things on his to-do list for the team this week. Well, talk to us about offense. Um, there's probably – there's per- perhaps less there to talk about, but uh, – what stood out to you, good and bad, on offense? Well, you know, obviously we talked about last week, um, you know, establishing the run more and uh, just putting a hat on a hat and doing some, you know, not not as much of, you know, maybe some traps, but not as much pulling linemen and just literally just going back to the three yards and a pile of dust. And so, uh, you know, there was a there was a conscious effort to run the ball. You know, there was 21 carries in the first half for 100 yards. And so obviously they were they were working on that, uh, which was good to see. Um, you know, what can you say about you know you scored uh, a touchdown on all seven of your first half drives? I mean you're up forty nine to nothing uh, at the end of the first half, and you've already put up over three hundred yards of offense. And so you know it just it goes back to what people are saying, and 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 you don't want to put the cart before the horse, man. But you know I like the way the announcers said it. They said they have a quarterback who was surrounded by a lot of talent who was able to, you know, make that talent better. And, um, you know, this is this is just scary for for teams, man. This this is the best offensive team that that we have seen since we have been following Alabama football. And um, while they don't have to outscore teams because the defense is, you know, playing well, they're going to outscore teams. Right. Well, and it's amazing too, right? The the diversity across offense. You know, we talked about the number of folks that we wouldn't be surprised if they if they had a two touchdown day, and and then we laughed because hell hell Hint just did that last week, and you know this week he didn't get a touch, but uh, Jalen Waddle, uh, Najee, and um, and was it Rugs all had uh, two touchdowns, and so you think that's a lot of guys. It wasn't, yeah, it was Najee and it was, and it was, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't Najee, it was Jacobs. Uh, point being, uh, three different guys, you know, had, uh, you know, at least two touchdowns uh, on offense. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. And then Tua, 
who is is being heralded as this all-world quarterback. I mean, he has a good day, but I mean, he's eight for eight, you know, and eight for eight is phenomenal to go out and do that with your kid in the backyard is, you know, is impressive by itself that, you know, but eight and eight is not, I mean, that's not throwing the ball all over the yard. No, it's not. And obviously out of respect for, you know, one of his coaches, you know, who's coaching on the other sideline, you know, you weren't going to see a lot of passes, right? I mean, there was only 16 passes attempted total. Um, you know, we there was 46 rushes. You know, obviously he would have liked that probably to have finished over 300 yards, but 46 carries for 268 yards and almost a six-yard average is, is more of what he's looking for. Obviously, it's a different, you know, team you're playing, right? And um, I also thought it was interesting that, you know, Damien only had five carries. Yep. Um, well, okay, on the one hand, it's obvious why he only had five carries. And because of the limited work he's gotten so far, you know, it's just back to our, you know, back to our watch, right, of his yards. He finished five carries for 20 yards. I I think that they are just – I think they're keeping him fresh because they, they know there's going to be stretches of games where they need him. And uh, he is being the ultimate team player. But, yes, to see Brian Robinson before the end of the first half, you know, that guy was probably just like on cloud nine. He's like, what? I'm getting to play with like four minutes left in the second quarter? This is awesome. So, yeah. And, you know, he had uh, Robinson had 12 carries and Najee had 11. They, they, you know, they were, they were the uh, high, mar- high water marks in, in terms of carries. Um, you know, and, and Damien, you know, he's uh, Damien, he, you know, he's the starter and he goes out and, you know, he has sort of the tough sledding yards, right? When the defense is most amped up and most ready to stop the run. Uh, he gets those, and so he only finishes with 20 yards. And, uh, yeah, he's not going to get to 1,000. Well, you know, we'll see, man, right? I mean, there there's still opportunities for 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 the big runs that, <clears throat> you know, that he did so well last year. And, um, obviously, this makes it tougher. But, um, you know, somebody – some NFL team is going to get him uh, next year, and he's going to have a lot of tread left on the tires. Yep. And um, – they are going to look like a genius when they pick him up. That's for yep. sure. Yeah. Let's do – go ahead. I, I just wanted to talk about the offensive line for a quick yep. second. Um, you know, in a game like this, when you want to uh, establish the run, you want to take the air out of the ball, you want to, you know, you want to speed up the game, shorten the game uh, because of your opponent and minimize injuries, et cetera. Uh, it was obviously tough to have, you know, both tackles go down in this game. And so uh, <clears throat> I saw some pictures of Jonah Williams at halftime. Uh, going into halftime, he was favoring that ankle pretty well. Uh, you knew when he came off the field that you wouldn't see him again. Yep. But, you know, first let's start with Chris Owens. You know, uh, Chris Owens, um, I think, came in and and played really well. There was a couple times he, he held his guy on a couple touchdown passes that didn't get called um, that could have been a holding call. But um, on Najee Harris's run at the end of the second quarter, he plowed his guy uh, five yards into the end zone. And then he was kind of pumped, you know, after, you know, after that touchdown. And so I just want to get your thoughts on him and then I'll talk about something else. How do you think Chris Owens did? Yeah, I thought he acquitted himself very well. And, you know, I'll say that I was I was in my least favorite place in the world to watch an Alabama game. And that is a sports bar. Uh, so I could watch the game uh, with like a eight second delay. I could read what the announcers or at least, you know, a, a, a poor interpretation of what the announcers were trying to say. 
And uh, and so to do, you know, when an injury, when a player goes down for injury, it's sometimes it's hard enough to get an update, you know, from from the crew, uh, even the really really good crews. And so when Jonah went down, I you know I was you know I was I knew that I was going to struggle to get an update on that. And then when Wills went down, and and at one point Deontay went down, and I knew I was going to struggle. We were going to struggle to get you know updates on those type of players. But Chris Owens came in, uh, acquitted himself very well. And then, you know, to, you know, coach said, you know, later after the game that that Jonah could have come back. And so I suspect that that he'll be uh, back up to form. But it was good to see uh, Owens. I don't want to run just run over where you were going to go next. So I'll kind of hand it back to you. But um, I was very pleased with the report that he could have come back. I suspect that he will. And uh, I was very pleased uh, with Chris Owens's play because he came in and it was one of those situations where if you're the backup tackle in a game against Louisiana, you probably suspect that you're going to get to play. Uh, but you probably don't suspect that you're going to go in for the All-America candidate in the first quarter with the starters. Uh, you're probably not ready to play then. And he came in and, and I thought he handled uh, handled the situation and performed admirably. No, absolutely, and and he was in the rest of the game. And what I found right. inter- and what I found really kind of interesting about that is that you know we were talking about Matt Womack before, right? Mm-hmm. And we were talking about you know it'll be nice when when Matt can can come back here and and you know provide you know come back and um you know give us depth, uh, you know uh, compete for you know one of the starting five. Uh, uh, positions that, that obviously he had earned last year. And so when Jedrick Wills goes down and Leatherwood is, you know, listed as backup and Leatherwood's already playing right guard as a tackle, it was interesting to see, you know, Matt came in right away and right away they started running the ball to the right side. Yep. And he immediately had to start, you know, basically um, uh, cutting off the edge and, and, and basically, you know, blocking hat on a hat and and creating a running game on the right side. They they went right to him, and so I just I wanted your thoughts because obviously you know he's been on the left tackle side uh, before, and so I found it interesting that with Chris Owens in the game, that Chris is at left tackle, and that when two things that when Jonah goes down, Matt doesn't come in. Okay, Chris does, mm-hmm. and then when Jedrick goes down, Matt comes in. And Matt doesn't come in at left tackle, but he comes in at right tackle. I just thought yeah. that was very interesting. You know, just wanted to get your take on 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 maybe why they did that. Well, I think Matt. Yeah, I think uh, you know a couple of things there, right? I think Matt was cleared for practice this this week, and so there was probably an expectation that he was going to get reps on Saturday. Uh, you know, to get you know game speed and and such. Uh, you know, back under him, and then maybe look at is he going to you know come back and compete for the position. And so I think he came in early, earlier than he would have certainly with, with Wills, um, you know, getting, taking a shot. And um, the fact that he came in at right tackle, I'm not surprised at that. You know, that's where he played last year. I, I think what's, what will be interesting and, and you're right, we sort of went that way in in the running game. And so it'll be interesting. And, and you kind of called this a couple of weeks ago that you thought that he would, that he would reassume that starter position when he came back and, you know, maybe first week back, that doesn't happen. 
but does it start to happen second week back? I don't know. That'll be that'll be something we'll have to keep an eye on this Arkansas game. What the what the line configuration looks like uh, could be interesting. When my my first and most immediate thought when Jonah went down was, and and you sort of hinted at this at sort of you know potential shifts across the line. My first immediate thought was, oh, I wonder if we're going to move Leatherwood over, and then who do we bring in at guard? And then I saw, oh, we didn't move. Alex over my first thought oh that's Scott Lashley and then it wasn't it, it turned out it was Chris Owen Chris Owens and so I said you know it was and so I figured okay that's who we brought in for that game what if and then your mind starts doing crazy things what if Jonah's gone what if he doesn't come back how would that re-articulate the line would we just continue to play with Chris Owens or would we move Alex over because, you know, he played so well in a championship game and then we're backfilling a guard. And then would we slide, you know, Jedrick over to guard and, and play Womack and and sort of, you know, juggle it that way. I started all of those sort of permeations sort of the bounce around in my head. And, you know, for a little bit, that's fun. I'm not rooting for anybody to especially Jonah to be out, but a little bit, that's sort of fun speculation. What do you think would happen if, um, and again, knock on wood somewhere, we're not rooting for this, but what if Jonah had been lost? I mean, if Jedrick is lost for a period of time, I think it's Womack and, and sort of done. I think there's more shifting if it's Jonah. What do you think we would do across the front if we ran into that type of circumstance? Well, first of all, I, I thought the reason, you know, because, you know, when Matt went down before, right, you had a Jalen was in the game, right, yeah. in the yeah. championship game. And so Matt was protecting his blind side. And so what's interesting is, is as Matt comes back in at this point in the next season, you know, I think the reason he came in at right tackle is because Tua's in the game now. And I think they felt more comfortable with him guarding Tua's blind side than Chris Owens. No, well, remember, though, remember, though, that that Matt was the right tackle last year. And right. And Jonah right. had left. Yeah, so 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 at this point though, I thought that it was interesting that that okay, do I think Matt probably can play both tackles? Yes. And so I think that I think him coming in at right tackle right now is more interesting because you got a different quarterback in there right. who's a left-handed quarterback. And so um second of all, you know, uh do I think you'll see Jonah next week? No, I don't think depending on how Matt's doing, no, I don't think you will. Um, and so I think that, you know, Chris Owens, I think, I think it was a, let's see how Chris Owens does. Sure. And, and if things didn't go well, I bet you they would have taken Leatherwood and moved him over to life tackle. And they would have basically backfield, um, they would have backfield Deontay Brown at right guard. Okay. And so, so I think Leatherwood would have gone back to left tackle like he did in the second half of the Georgia game if Chris Owens would not have handled his his opportunity, and the door was open and he walked through it. Right. And so I think, and so I think right this second, I think that you know it's a competition right now. Depending on how Jedrick is doing, I think that you know it's probably Jedrick and Matt Womack on Saturday with Chris Owens as the backup. Yeah, I think you're right. I think um, I, you know, I don't know. I think Jonah probably does play a little bit, um, and I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think he does play. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Owens, you know, gave him some backup there, and then Jonah and I'm saying something similar to you, but different. I think I think it's I think Jonah does play, 
I think Chris Owens comes in in early relief. And then I do think that Jedrick and Womack battle for the right spot, uh, the right side. And then, you know, we'll see how that how that plays out. If Jedrick loses that spot to to Womack, then I think Jedrick goes into immediate competition with Alex for that guard spot. And that Alex may be the one. And it's not that I don't like Alex. I think he's a really good player. I just think he's a player out of position right now. Uh, and I think that if head to head he went against Jedrick at the guard spot, I think he might he might would lose that uh, head to head to Jedrick. So I think that'll be interesting. And so a lot of that hinges on is Womack going to come back and beat Jedrick? Because if he does, then Jedrick <laughs> Jedrick beats Alex. And all of that is sort of an inter- interesting sort of ripple effect that that. You know, this may be this is the only place I've ever heard anyone, you know, sort of talk about it. I think that's interesting. But one point that that I think is that sort of underpins this entire conversation is that when you think about, you know, starters and second teams and and roster manipulation and getting your best five across the offensive front, that it's not it's not a clear slot, right? The the number twos are not clear slots, you know, behind the number ones. You want to get your best five out there, and you may address a search a, a situation short term differently than you would address the exact same situation long term. And so Chris going Chris Owens going in for for Jonah, I think was the short term solution. That's what we needed to do to survive Saturday. What would we do this week if we had to play? This week and the rest of the season without Jonah, I think would look completely different. And I think that's a level of of conversation that is interesting that, I mean, pat ourselves on the back. You don't get that everywhere. No. And, and to your point, right, it was it was the um, it was a uh, non SEC opponent. Right. The game was well in hand when Chris came into the game. And so it was great to get him reps. Right. And right now, Chris is. Uh, Chris is secretly hoping that Matt doesn't come beat out Jedrick, who then would try to beat out Alex because yep. then Alex would try to beat out Chris. Right. Right. Let's just review right now. If Matt comes back and beats out Jedrick, Jedrick's going to try to beat out Alex and Alex will say, Hey, Chris, I like you, man, but you know, I, I'm a tackle guy. And so, so, so it does speak real quick for the listeners to the versatility of the talent that Saban brings in. And we've talked about this at different positions, and maybe we haven't talked about it a lot on the offensive line, but it goes back to the Barrett Jones days, right? It goes back to the fact right. that Ross is playing center. And yep. and so these other teams that they can, man, this isn't fair, right? You, <laughs> you lose players and and yet you can still sit here and just and just jumble them around like that. It's it's got to drive other coaches crazy. But think about think about this though. Think think about this this set of dominoes falling, right? So Alex at, at, at right guard loses that position to Jedrick, who lost the right tackle position to Womack. And so all of that, so the left side of the, the right side of the line sort of dominoes in that way. And in response to that, Alex moves over to the left tackle, which you could argue compared with center is, you know, two of the toughest positions on across the line. And he's going to beat out the number two guy at left tackle after after that other domino effect. You have to be thinking not only if you're Chris Owens, but just if you're other teams, you're like, that is that is one devilish Rubik's Cube right there. Oh, absolutely, man. But that just speaks to the, you know, the versatility that these guys have. 
uh, right. for sure. Um, anything that jumps out at you real quick before we do many game balls on the, um, you know, the seven touchdowns in the first half. Um, uh, I know you were going to maybe touch on maybe uh, just something we spoke about uh, previously uh, about the uh, pass uh, to Ruggs uh, by Jalen. Yeah, you know, and this is exactly, you know, this is exactly something that we talked about on the show last week. And then, and then, you know, we, it, it happens Saturday and, and, and look, you watch enough football, it happens almost every game, every week. But one thing that is unique about Tua, it separates him from nearly almost every quarterback that you're going to watch play, especially at the collegiate level, is that he throws the ball uh, to places that protect the receiver. The receiver can catch the ball and not worry about being laid out for uh, for a defender. And Jalen is getting better at finding the right receiver, finding the open receiver. But that extra level of nuance is not is he it's not quite as polished. And he threw the ball up uh, on Saturday and really put rugs in in a in a position. Uh, and then he actually went down and went out for a little bit. I think he just got the wind knocked out of him. But he put the Jalen put the ball up. Uh, to rugs, it was a nice completion. It moved the chains, uh, but he took a lick that I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that he wouldn't have taken. I don't think the ball would have been thrown. Uh, I don't think that Tua would have put rugs in the same position that Jalen did. And but I want to be careful in saying that because again, that's a, also a completion, a completion that to that Jalen wouldn't have made last year. So there's there's some improvement. It's just not, you know, I, again, I'm the guy comparing Jalen to Jalen. And so I'll take that as improvement. But if you compare it to Tua, it wouldn't have happened had had Tua been uh, the quarterback at, on that play. Sure. And all we're doing is just highlighting something we spoke about last week. Yeah, and just, yeah. you know, just just a just a nuance that you might not hear elsewhere, you know, pointing out because because obviously, you know, just very quickly, uh, you can tell that the quarterback coach is is helping Jalen to improve his play and his yes. game. Um, and uh, kudos to the coach for bringing him in earlier in this game because the situation warranted it. Uh, you know, I think it was nice of coach very quickly to bring Tua back in right after that and go into the sec, you know, go into the to halftime with his own momentum, right? Because of, you know, because of, you know, he is currently, you know, number one on the depth chart. And then um, and then I like the use of, you know, bringing Mac Jones in so early in the second half. Yeah. Um, you know, that that's just, you know, he he for how many years would we have talked about getting some of these guys experience in games like this and maybe not happening as quickly? Yep. And so that, you know, that's just, you know, that's something good for Mac Jones as well. Yeah, I, I think you're you're absolutely right, and and you know he throws a you know a ten yard slant to 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 Waddle that goes the distance, and so he gets a nice uh, you know check mark and, and touchdown, and that was his first. I think that was good. I'll say this, and and you mentioned Danny Nose, the quarterback coach. I think I think you're spot on that he is contributing to the development of Jalen, and I think Tua is as well. And I saw an interesting sort of stat line. And it showed, you know, Jalen's numbers last season compared to his aggregate numbers this year. And his completion percentage is up 10, hit 10 points. His uh, yards per pass is up. And his touchdown to uh, completion ratio is, is um, you want that number to be low. Um, and it's cut in half. It was about 15 
passes per uh, touchdown last year, and it's right at about seven and a half. And so he is improving. And so, you know, again, Jalen to Jalen, significant improvement. Jalen to Tua, that's that's a different ball game. But uh, I, I'll continue to sort of, you know, knock on wood that uh, that Jalen's improving, and that's fun to see. Absolutely, man. Anything else before we do mini game balls? No, give us a mini game ball. All right, so I'm going to give it to the big ugly Chris Owens um, for the reason that we talked about. Yep. Um, just uh, played very well. Uh, we need to establish more depth on the de- on the offensive line, and uh, things happen uh, like happened to Jonah. And uh, he came in and got some good uh, reps against a uh, good, uh, you know, college level opponent. And just kudos to him and and coming in and finishing the game and not needing the coaches to bring in anybody else. Yep. And uh, just did a good job. Absolutely. I had two guys circled. One was Owens. The other was Womack. And uh, for for all the reasons that we sort of dug into, uh, I think those are two very deserving guys on offense. Uh, again, think there's a lot of big gig, uh, big game balls to give away, but the little mini game balls that we do, uh, I think those are two guys that you're not going to read a lot about, but uh, they both uh, stepped in, performed well, and uh, give us some confidence that we have depth and uh, and potentially some more. And we've sort of talked about that the last couple of weeks. Flip the field. Let's talk defense. Yeah. So, um, you know, defense. Um, obviously, uh, we talked last week about you know, establishing depth on this team. And we talked about, you know, the the heavy reliance on, you know, a handful of guys, uh, specifically in the linebacking core. I, I thought the defense played well. The ones played well when they were in there, um, you know, in the first half. And obviously we're pitching a shutout. But what's your, what's your thoughts on on the second half? Obviously both teams were just trying to get out of there and, and keep everybody healthy. How, how did you think How did you think the backups looked when they came in in the second half? Yeah, you know, we'll call this the Coach Saban special, right? When he's he's looking for, you know, tell us something that we can improve on. Uh, and and look, this is this is this is right where right where it is. Um, I'm I'm sort of rounding here a little bit, but the defense gave up 50 yards, just over 50 yards in the first half, and uh, and Louisiana crossed the 50 yard line just only once, right at the end of the game. Uh, defense yielded with the backups in, you know, approximately 230 yards in the second half, including two long scoring drives. You know, their 14 points were put up in the second half. And 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 Tommy, you had an interesting stat on the on the run pass ratio for Louisiana in in the second half. The line, and this is interesting too because we talked about this last week in the context of A&M and the running quarterback. And Louisiana didn't have a running quarterback, but the running game. We had a couple middle linebackers, and we've talked about this, right? You know, several times. Vatek, you know, a couple of years ago is something that we kind of reference. If you miss the fill, you can give up a long run. And Vatek, you know, had an eighty-something yard run because we missed the we missed the fill, uh, and we missed a couple of fills the middle linebackers did against Louisiana, and they had some they broke off some nice runs. And this is doubly frustrating because the talent level, such as it is, our backups to Louisiana, we should be able to compete. We should be able to compete every day uh, with that type of disparity. And then in a game where both teams, frankly, want this game to be over with as quickly as they can, and and they're running the ball. And so you know they're running the ball. That that trims down your keys. Uh, but we still gave up some big runs, and we still have a real sort of donut hole in our middle linebacker roster. Um, and, and we saw that exposed on Saturday. 
against Louisiana. And you asked, you know, last week, well, why didn't we bring someone in and give them experience against, you know, a and and a Kellen Mond? Because that can let them back into the game. And 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 we saw that here. Not that they were back into the game, but, you know, they, they scored as a result of, call it a lack of depth at middle linebacker. Yeah, I mean, they had they had 31 plays run in the second half and three were passes. And so 28 times they ran the ball. And uh, several times it was between the tackles. And, um, you know, we talked about Chris Owens and how he acquitted himself. Well, you know, the 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 backups on the defense, you know, there, there's still work to be done here. And um, there's obviously been injuries at the linebacker position, which we have talked about previous, you know, previous shows, which, you know, which to be fair, you know, would be playing ahead of these guys right now. Nothing wrong, just just the truth. Right. And so right now, you know, these guys' numbers are getting called and, um, you know, this gives them something that they can work on uh, as they go forward. Right. They've gotten more reps. They've gotten out there. They 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 can, you know, in, in, in their film study, they're going to be able to connect the dots better. Uh, this is going to help them improve as players. Uh, but definitely to your point, uh, a team of this caliber does not need to be, you know, running the ball 28 times and having almost, you know, are having 250 yards of offense in the second half. Right. And and especially, and this is the frustrating part, they're running the ball that many times, not because they're looking for offense. They're looking for the clock to run. That's the frustrating part. Now they ended up getting offense and they ended up getting points and and surely they're excited about that. But think about it from the perspective of, you know, Billy Napier. I'm down 49 and nothing at half. We're not going to come back and win this game. You know, how do we get this game over with as quickly as we can? We're just going to run the ball. And and then all of a sudden, everybody in the stadium knows we're going to run the ball, but we're still gaining chunks of yards. Okay, well, yeah, let's go for uh, a couple of passes here and see if we can't, you know, score some points and, and um, you know, make everybody happy. But But the mentality is they're running the ball to burn the clock. They're running the ball to get out of the game, and that's when they have success. That is pretty darn frustrating. Oh, absolutely. Um, speak to uh, what else jumped out at you on defense, either either ones or the twos. Yeah, you know, I think that I got a kick out of seeing Johnny Dwight rotate in uh, across the uh, defensive front in the first quarter, uh, and so we definitely uh, we definitely see some depth emerging across the front. And so that's good. We've talked about the secondary and the depth emerging there. We're not yet seeing it at, at linebacker. I'll say this, and, I, and this is a thought I had early in the game. And and, it, and I'm, I'm, at this point, I'm inventing ways to talk about how dominant uh, Deontay Thompson is in the secondary. And there were, there were it, you know, early in the game, there were two or three plays in a row where he runs up from the his secondary position and the guy is tackled at his feet. He had read the key. He had read the play. He was, he, he, you know, he was honing in to make the play. He just didn't get there in time because, you know, we were tackling him, tackling him, you know, three yards downfield as opposed to, you know, you know, five or six. And so he was just coming up to the play. On uh, one play, he bear hugged the defender that was actually doing the tackling. And I thought, you know, in hockey, you know, in hockey, they get if, you know, there's the assist. I pass it to the guy who scores. When in hockey, there's the hockey assist where if I pass it to the guy who passes it to the guy who scores, then I get 
you know, an assist that way. And so we need to figure out like, what would Deontay Thompson's tackles be if he got like hockey tackles, you know, like he would have tackled it had the guy not beat him there. I mean, he, he would, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm inventing stuff to like give him kudos, but I was like, damn, he's making all these hockey tackles on this game that doesn't, that's doesn't even exist, but I don't know. That's how I entertain myself watching the game Saturday. Well, you know, what's interesting is, is, is while, you know, him and McKinney are, you know, they're, they're kind of interchangeable at free safety and strong safety, which is a unique thing that, that teams would like to have. Deontay Thompson is the free and McKinney spends a lot more time in the box, you know, lined up, you know, as a, as an inside linebacker. And so for, for Dante Thompson to have, you know, (laughs) seven total tackles four solos, um, in a game where the other team did run the ball as much as they did, uh, does speak to your point. And, you know, the announcers even talked about, you know, because obviously the coaches can monitor the film study, you know, back to the days when we were playing, right? And we'd go into, you know, a room with no air condition and, and we'd watch film of the game and and break down, you know, things of the high school game the week before or whatever, you know, versus what they do now. You know, now they've got their iPads and and now yeah. they've got the ability to pull up film and study, you know, their opponent, you know, whenever they have opportunities outside of, you know, their other work to do it. Well, they talked about the fact that, you know, currently the log the log time, um, I can't remember which coach commented on the fact that Deontay Thompson is the leader. He has the most time studying uh, that they're monitoring as far as studying film study of anybody on the defense. Right. But when you sit there and talk about reading the keys, man, they correlate. Right. And yep. and, and that's that, you know, he's not the biggest guy. Uh, he's able to lay a lick, but um, he's doing his homework, which is a lot. You know, I'm not saying the other guys aren't. But he sounds like he's taking some extra steps to to really improve his game, and and that's what's allowing him to you know to lead the team in tackles. Yeah, I, that's exactly right. And and you know I'll go back and th- and this was last season, and I just remember being jumping down, jumping up and down, excited last year. It was late in the game. Uh, I I don't even remember the opponent, but where and this is where you and I got like to watch the backups late late in a garbage game. Uh, but he, but we're playing Tampa too. So two deep safeties, he's 12 yards off the line of scrimmage and on consecutive plays, he makes tackles at the line of scrimmage and, and, you know, play one to play two, they're, they're left and right. They're different sides of the, the line of scrimmage and he's making tackles at the line of scrimmage on two consecutive plays from the, the two deep safety, uh, position. And, you know, it's like this dude is on time. This dude is preparing, and he's going to be an emergent player next season. And then we're seeing that this season. It's just so darn exciting to see those dots connect. Uh, I mean, even from our seat in the stands, right? That's that's just that's just phenomenal. Anything else on defense or give us a mini game ball? No, I am ready for mini game ball. This is going to break the mold of the mini game ball. That's um, what you do. Go for it. I, I'm okay with it, though, because um, I, I'm giving um, – I'm going to give too many game balls. Uh, first one I'm going to give is to Christian Miller because obviously Christian Miller suffered, you know, a frustrating injury last year. Uh, he immediately after surgery, you know, reemphasized to the Bama nation that he was coming back and, and he was excited to, you know, do the work that was necessary to get back. Well, given the injuries that we've had to some of his teammates, his decision to come back and, and, and play again this year, um, has meant a lot to this team. 
Uh, he is a critical component to this team right now. Uh, and as a red shirt senior, um, I'm just really happy that he's having the success that he's having. Yep. And um, it is critical on, you know, his play is just, you, you can't, you can't even uh, minimize uh, just what he's doing for this team right now, you know, being a part of it. No, I'm with you. That's a good one. You had, you said you had two. Yeah. Just real quick. I'm going to give Trayvon Diggs one. Uh, okay. and, and, and so, you know, converted wide receiver, uh, you know, had some bumps last year along the way, but um, the guy is really, uh, we're, we're seeing this guy really uh, develop before our eyes very quickly. I think just in a few games as a starting cornerback this year, uh, we talked about him last week and his versatility of, of moving down to the, uh, you know, to the money position. But this guy just, you know, he gets his head in there. He plays the run well. Uh, he plays the ball well. He put a hat on a ball that caused, a you know, a forced fumble in the first quarter that, you know, they didn't get the ball. But but just, dude, it just all around, uh, he is playing like a complete corner. And what's scary is, is, is he was a converted wide receiver. Yeah. And um, it, it's just scary, you know, how well he's playing. It really is. His versatility and, it, and his comfort, you know, that's sort of a code that we'll use sometimes. Guys playing comfortable in, in the secondary or at whatever position. And he's playing comfortable. He is so versatile. You, you know, you talk about corner, but we'll play him at the star. You know, we've seen him in, in a lot of different uh, uh, positions, which um, which is phenomenal. Uh, in in and of itself, and I think I think Diggs is 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 going to be one of those underrated guys in the secondary because all the other sort of flashy flashy names and, and headline grabbers, but he's going to be one of those glue guys in the secondary that um, that is really contributing and going to continue continue to uh, contribute. And that you know he had an interception on Saturday, and it was it was kind of a funny play because they you know they could have run the clock out and you know gone to half, but you know, uh, Louisiana said, "Hey, we want to take one more shot at, at the end zone here." And if you and if you go back and watch that replay, everyone it's it's just one of those hell marys in the end zone. Everybody's sort of jumping up, and everybody's sort of jumping and running and 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 all that. But if if you like really hone in, there's one guy in this this throng of players. There's one guy that's truly playing the ball all the way. And it's Diggs, and he comes up with the interception. So I thought that was that was impressive, just right there. And until so that's that's mini game ball worthy, just in in and of itself. That's a good that's a good pick. All right, give me yours. I'm going uh, EAB Anoma, and not so much for you know he had a tackle for loss, two tackles on the game. Not so much for his contribution on Saturday, but but just his his steady progression. He's getting better and better week week over week, and uh, I think this is a guy that's going to contribute more and more at the outside linebacker position, which may maybe allow us to do things with Christian Miller uh, a little bit differently in the middle. We'll see. But uh, I think he's going to contribute, uh, continue to improve and uh, contribute in uh, on the defense. Talk about special teams, man. All right. So I have a special teams mini game ball. Oh, and it goes to Jeff Banks. OK. And, and, it, and it goes to, you know, <laughs> here Nick Saban is, you know, bringing in, you know, these coaches the best of the best. He brought in Lane Kiffin while Bama fans didn't love it because he was like one of the brightest offensive minds out there. Well, I think he brought in Jeff Banks because, dude, you're doing it at special teams. Yep. And um, and and just, you know, this team had enough – this team already had enough weapons. 
And so we went into the season saying this team was going to have to outscore people. The defense is young. Well, the defense is picking it up. The offense is doing what we thought they were doing. And now you bring in Jeff Banks and, and you see what he's done in you know a few weeks of this season uh, with special teams. I mean, you, you, you block a punt. You return a punt for a touchdown. You sit there in the first quarter and you hadn't even punted the ball, but yet you've got two special team touchdowns. Um, you know, just kudos to Nick Saban for bringing the guy in. And I'm sure Jimbo Fisher is, you know, kicking himself that he didn't throw more money at Jeff Banks to keep him at Texas A&M. Yeah. You know, it's tough to weaponize special teams when you can't make a, when you can't make a field goal. <laughs> no, it is, but he is doing that. And, right. um, you know, it's, it's, you know, I mean, another, another, another quick, you know, mini game ball, you know, has to, you know, has to go out to, uh, to, uh, Jalen Moody. Yes. 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 Okay. For, for, for decleating, you know, the poor guy and he got his head in front of him where he wouldn't be a block in the back. And, you know, that's what sprung Waddle for his touchdown, but it's just, you know, there's like on the punt returns, right? On the punt returns, they've they've changed the formation on the punt returns, and they've got a guy drop back about 20 yards in the middle of the field uh, to provide some support uh, in the blocking scheme in the middle of the field. You may you can just see his fingerprints on little nuances that he's doing, and um, you know this is this has to be scary for teams, man, because if Tua's having a bad day and the defense is playing young. You know, the special teams is showing that they can still win. You know, they might can still win some close games for you. And so it's got to be frustrating for, you know, for other teams out there and, and good for Bama fans. Yeah, and the Moody block was was good. I know we sort of picked on him not not in name uh, at the middle linebacker spot, but that was a good block. And and that was one of those blocks where one block gets you gets you two or three. Uh, I mean, he was taking out a, a singular individual uh, with his block, but there was a bowling pin effect where, uh, a couple of guys kind of got tied, uh, caught up in that wash, uh, and that helped, you know, Waddle with his run. That was nice. And of course, Keith, uh, his blocked, uh, his block kick. That was one of those textbook situations where you should always block the inside guy and let the outside guy go. And they and and they blocked the outside guy and let you know Keith come right up the middle, a, a clean, a clean shot. And um, you know, you see that happen sometimes, um, and that certainly happened Saturday. And that set up a that set up a nice score. So I'm glad, you know, Keith went for the ball and uh, was going to try to scoop and score, but he just, you know, kind of fell on it. And, and uh, but that was good. You know, you take the block there and then you let the, let the uh, offense set up shop and a quick touchdown there. And real you know, quick, going back to, real quick, that. going back to Joseph as the field goal kicker, right? Yeah. You know, he has a red shirt freshman, right? And, and if he's going to miss a couple and learn from it, it's going to be in a game like this. And so, you know, he didn't. He didn't get a chance to to try a field goal in the first half because they were seven of seven on seven touchdown drives, and so you know this is a situation where you know this is just something that that he can learn from. Uh, it provides competition uh, at the field goal position, and um, you know it gives something else to coach up here going forward. Yeah, and there's really nothing to say about the punters because we didn't punt, so that's that's not a bad deal either. Uh, next week we travel to Arkansas. What do you think about, uh, the tide matching up with the hogs? You know, this is, this is a very different matchup, right? From years past, right? I mean, you know, Arkansas just has a different look, uh, uh, currently under this coaching staff, you know, this is, this is not the three yards in a cloud of dust and, and, and we're going to run the ball and we're going to establish the run and we're going to, you know, shorten the game. 
you know, you know, Arkansas comes in, you know, losing four in a row, you know, one in four overall, yep. and uh, just really hasn't, you know, their one win coming against Eastern Illinois. And so, you know, they, they played an Auburn team, you know, which is struggling themselves, you know, and, and, and lost pretty handily at, at, at Auburn. And so, um, you know, th- this is not going to be your, your fist, you know, your, uh, your gut wrenching Alabama, Arkansas games that we've had some of, you know, under Saban, sure. um, you know, I think this is going to be, um, you know, even though it's at their house and obviously Arkansas has played better against us in Fayetteville. I think that this is going to be like a 42-10 type of ball game. Uh, that this is going to be a really this is going to be a tough game for the Razorbacks. Yeah, I agree. They're they're and you make an interesting point. They're in a point of you know transition, going from the Belima style of offense to a Chad Morris style, and and you know you recruit to what Belima does, and then you don't have the personnel to do what Chad Morris does, and so there's a little bit of you know transition that that they're in. Uh, but they have struggled. Now they gave a valent showing against AM uh in some you know Southwestern uh conference, you know, reunion tour uh Saturday. But uh, uh I think they were a little amped up to play uh an exciting game in Dallas. And I think AM was sort of licking the wounds after an Alabama game. So I think that was probably uh, you know, both teams will revert to their mean AM going up and Arkansas going down. You know, again, I've, we've got similar scores on this one. I've got 42 to 6. You said 42 to 10. Um, I'm not sure how they muster a touchdown, but, I mean, I don't know. Louisiana got two of them, so uh, that could be. But uh, I think we're I think we're picking a, a pretty, close, pretty close score on that one, huh? Absolutely, man. Anything else for the listeners today? No, I think uh, I think uh, I think we can wrap. I do want to at, at some point, you know, get back and you know we've got a lot of people who have left us comments and five star reviews. I know we're short on time today, so we won't we won't hit that. Uh, but we'll the point the there week. being, well, the point there being, you know, we appreciate people leaving reviews and and we want to get more and we want to you know get back to having some listener appreciation. But because uh, um, we do, you know, greatly appreciate the, the comments, the emails, um, and the listeners. Uh, But Tom, with that, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.